0: All right, this morning we're going to be in uh, the book of Colossians again. We're going to be looking at chapter chapter 1. So if you turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, uh, we'll also have the Scripture on the screen. Uh, but I'd love for you to open your Bible and um, and flip in the pages with me as we go through the Scripture. I'm going to be starting in verse 15, uh, but we're going to be looking today at verses 20 through 23. And so as you know, as Pastor Keith has, has been gone, I've been filling in, and we started uh, in the beginning of Colossians, and we worked our way through. And as we've worked our way through, uh, we ended in verse 14, uh, and I'm going to pick up in verse 15, but this evening, I'm actually going to be preaching verses 15 uh, through 19, and I kind of piggybacked, and, uh, and I, I leaped over to this for this morning's um, message. So, we're going to start in verse 15 so we can understand the context of what's going on. Verse 15 says, He, meaning Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. God we thankful. We thank you and we're thankful. God for your word. Your word is truth. God we're thankful for your spirit that illuminates that truth to us. That brings us life. That takes a person from death to life, from darkness to light. Out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of your beloved son. God, you do this. Your gospel is the power of God for salvation. And God, Your Word is what convicts those of their unbelief. And Your Spirit is which brings life. God, I pray today that, God, You would awaken the dead to life. That, God, Your people would grow in understanding of Your truth. And they would shine in such a way that You would be glorified. And You would get the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, this morning, um, we're going to talk about relationships. And we're going to talk about reconciliation. And everybody's old enough, most people that are old enough in this room have had a bad relationship before, correct? And you were probably enemies of, you would see, or uh, hostile towards one another, correct? Maybe it was a brother or sister, maybe it was a, a, a parent could have been a, a coworker of some sorts, anyone, any human being, right, between one and another, you could be possibly hostile towards one another. Well, maybe that person assaulted you in some way or, or hurt you in some way, sinned against you in some way, and now you are not friends anymore. You, we could probably even say that you're enemies. And you have a broken relationship. Well, reconciliation is when that broken relationship and that hostility between each other is reconciled. And there becomes peace and reconciliation. And you're no longer enemies anymore, but then now you are friends. Friends with one another. And maybe at some point in your time that has actually happened in your life. But it's possible, and very most likely so, that maybe you know someone in your life that you need to reconcile with and, and come to terms of peace with, right? We can all say amen to that, that, that there's possibility that we, we have enmity with somebody, right? That we're, that we're hostile with, with one another. But the greatest need for reconciliation with man is actually with God. Because God is holy and He's righteous and He's good and He's without sin. Amen, Charles, right? We're already getting amens. But man is not. And there's this great divide between God who is holy and man who is not. And this relationship between God and man is broken. And there's hostility. And there's brokenness. And the Bible says that there's deadness. There's death. And we are separated from God. Because of our sin. And we need to be reconciled to Him. Well, the message titled today is The Way, not a way, but the way to reconciliation with God. The way to reconciliation with God. My prayer is today that you do not leave this room without knowing that you have reconciliation and peace with God. So, this morning, the first plan of God is that he, His plan is to reconcile the world to Himself. So the first way, or the way, or part of His plan is the plan of reconciliation. Let's look at verses 20-21. through 21. Verse 20 says, And through Him, to, meaning Christ, to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Let's look at this. And through Him to reconcile. Let's look at what the word reconcile actually means. There are two ways to write reconcile or to communicate reconcile in the original text. One is catalasso; It means to change or exchange. In the New Testament usage, it speaks of a change in relationship, which I basically just explained to you. Romans 5.10 and 2 Corinthians 5.18-20 speaks of God and man being reconciled. This is what we need. We need reconciliation with God. When two people change from being uh, enmity with one another, enmity with one another, uh, it is to be making peace with. That's what I just explained to you. They are said to be reconciled. You know, growing up, uh, me and my father had, uh, a lot of times we were always at wits ends with each other. We were natured a lot alike. And, and he was headstrong and I was headstrong. Could you, would you agree to that, right? Would you, would you agree that there's a little headstrong, you knowing me? But he was really headstrong and I was too. And then by the time I hit about 18 years old, explosion, right? He was right and I was right, but I was living in his house. And he told me to leave, right? He said, go live in your car, right? Because if you're going to live in my house, you're not going to act that way, right? And while I said, well, he's wrong, and he said that I'm wrong, right? There was this great disruption, right? There was, there was this great uh, uh, blow up between me and him. And what did we need? We needed reconciliation. We needed peace with one another, Right? and praise God and thank God for His grace and His mercy, we have reconciliation. We have a relationship. It's on certain types of terms, but we have reconciliation the best that we possibly can. We love one another. And Paul wants us to know this, what reconciliation really means. When the Bible speaks of reconciliation, it refers to the restoration in a right relationship between God and man. Here's the thing you're going to have a really hard time, and it's going to be probably even close to impossible for you to reconcile with another human being if you have not yet been reconciled to God. Amen? Because if you don't know what reconciliation truly is, then it's going to be hard for you to reconcile with other people. If you've not been humbled by the grace of God, then it's going to be hard for you to humble yourself and reconcile with another human being. Amen? If you've not experienced the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ, you're always going to be bitter and you're always going to be angry and you're not going to humble yourself and you're not going to have reconciliation with others. We are to forgive one another, aren't we not? And that's a sign of true salvation that you would be forgiving one another when another member sins against you. Here's the thing, we are sinners. And we sin, saved by the grace and the mercy of God. And when we sin, against one another. It's part of our fallen nature. We are to look at that person and say, he sinned against me or she sinned against me. Yes, but as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to learn to forgive one another and forbear one another, right? Because Christ has forgiven us. We need to be messengers of reconciliation, right? We need to be uh, shining that, uh, living that out in our life in our daily habits, in our, in our daily life with one another. Right? We can't hold grudges against one another. If I do something wrong, and if I do something sinful, which I'm gonna do, if I've ever upset you in my life, right? understand that I am a sinner, but understand that I need your understanding, and you need my understanding, correct? And if we both come together, and we both talk to one another, there's nothing that we can't come to reconciliation about. Amen? If we focus on Christ, and Christ is the standard, and Christ is in our life, He bonds us together in love. Amen? So if I hold a grudge against you, and you never, or you hold it against me, and you never talk to me again, right? We're not loving one another. Amen? So this is how we carry out the love that's been given to us. It's how we, we show that we've truly been reconciled. Amen? This is how we do it in the church, and this is how we do it in life. The second way to write reconcile, which Paul used here, there's a a special way he wrote it in verse 20. And it's apo-ketestalo, or I can't even say it, right? It's okay, you understand what I'm saying. It means to be thoroughly, completely, or totally reconciled. And the reason why the Apostle Paul added this thoroughly, or completely, or all the way, totally, without fault, Paul wants to stress the importance to the false teachers in Colossae, that Jesus Christ is supremely sufficient in the only way to be reconciled to God. He's not a way. He's not a little bit of a way. He's not only part of the way. He is the way. He is the truth. And He is the life. And He's the only way to the Father. It is only through Christ. He is fully equipped to do it, right? He is all-sufficient. And the Bible says that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ. And He accepts no other sacrifice for sins. You can't say, I believe in Christ and also a little bit of my works, too. You can't say, I believe in Christ, but also I need to have my head dunked into the water, right? I, I, I believe in Christ, but I also have to also pray these prayers to be saved. I have to put my faith and trust in Him alone. In the Gospel alone. In what happened 2,000 years ago when the perfect sinless Lamb of God came into the world, born through a virgin, living a perfect sinless life, dying on the cross for my sins and your sins for the sin of the world, for everyone who would believe in Him, and raising again on the third day Proving that He is God. Proving that he is sacri- the sacrifice was a pleasing sacrifice to God. It's the only way to be saved. It is only through the blood of Christ. It is only, like, like we sang this morning, through the blood that we are reconciled to God. It's the only way. Amen? Hallelujah, somebody. Charles, help me out. All right. The second part. Of that first verse, verse 20, it says, reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, God's ultimate plan for the universe is to reconcile all things to himself through Jesus Christ. You might say, well, well, I thought Jesus was like just over the world, like everything that you can see with all of the scientific telescopes and everything, he made that too all the stars and all the galaxies, as far as they possibly can go, every single atom, every single microscopic, whatever you scientists call it, everything that you can figure out with a telescope and with your finite brain, God created through the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is supreme over all over all of His creation. There is nothing outside of the lordship and the authority of Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul is trying to explain to those in Colossae. But it's the same thing we have to explain to the world today. Because people want to say that there is a Jesus, right? But He's not Lord of all. No. The true Jesus of the Bible. The true Jesus. The one and only is the Creator of all things. The one and only Savior of the world. The only King of kings and Lord of lords who sits at the right hand of the Father. This is the Jesus who has saved me. This is the Jesus, I hope, who has saved you, who have you, you've believed in and you have trusted in. Amen? Amen. When God's work of creation was finished, God saw all that He had made, and behold, it was very good. Soon after God, God's creation was marred by man's sin, the fall of man not only left all mankind condemned, but also affected all of creation. You know, Pastor Keith had told me they don't let them in Africa walk outside at night. Do you know why? Because animals will come and eat you. They'll come and eat you. And I was like, seriously? And he said, like, yes. Like they wait for you at night and they'll come and eat you. It's not like a scary story. They really do it. Right? And they're not allowed to walk around at night. In America, we can, we can do that, right? We don't have animals like that. But why do those animals that God created try to eat you? It's because of the fall. It's because of the fall. And why do they eat each other? Because it's the fall. Amen? And so because of the fall of man, all of creation was cursed. We live in a cursed world, which is under the influence of Satan. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says this, Ephesians 2.2 2, But Satan is no match because he's already a defeated foe. God is reconciling all things to himself. He's doing it at this very moment through Jesus Christ, whether on earth or in heaven. The reconciliation of all things does not mean universalism. What does universalism mean? It means that everyone will be saved. The Bible, from beginning to end, does not say that everyone will be saved. It does not. Yes, he is reconciling everything, and he's reconciling everything by the blood of his cross. But the Bible does tell us the scripture is clear that there will be those who will not receive salvation. It is clear that by all things, Paul means for whom reconciliation is possible. Scripture is clear that fallen angels and unregenerate men will spend eternity in hell. This is a fact. Read the Bible. Start at the beginning and go to the end and you will see there, is not, there are some who will not inherit eternal life. Jesus talked about hell more than anything. And He told us how to escape hell. And the only way to escape the judgment and only way to escape hell because of our sin is reconciliation with God. And the only way to have reconciliation with God was through Christ. Amen? And so our Lord will one day say to those I never knew you, depart from me you workers of lawlessness. God's plan of reconciliation is happening through Christ Jesus, who the Scriptures say, through He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. being humbled, being humbled, uh, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will be a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And if you've not bowed the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, Understand there will be a day if you don't do it today and if you have not done it yesterday that you will kneel before Christ and you will bow before him and your tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen? Amen. Second, the process of reconciliation. So the plan, the plan of reconciliation. Now we look at the process of reconciliation. We're going to look at verses 20b and 22a. Making peace by the blood of his cross, he has now reconciled in his body by his death, or in his body of flesh by his death. God is righteous. I don't think we grasp what righteous is. None of us is righteous. No, not one. But God is righteous. He does everything right. He's the standard of right. It's hard to explain in our culture today what is right, what is good, what is bad. A lot of times today, people will say, I want to be the sovereign. They don't say it like that, but they say, I want to be God. I want to be the one who makes the decisions. Right? That, that means you make yourself out to be I want to be the one who decides whether it's bad or good. Not God. I don't want to go to His Word. I know His Word's there. I know what He says. I know what He commands me to do. But I want to do it. I want to do it my way. That's what man does. And every single human being in this room is just like that. Unless they've been humbled, unless God has broken them, unless God has had grace and mercy on them. Every single human being in this world wants to do it that way. Romans 1 tells us that all mankind suppresses the truth about God in unrighteousness and believe a lie. They know what the truth is, yet they live in unrighteousness. They practice unrighteousness because they believe a lie, because they hate God. They so prove it. God has made His name known. In all of creation, all mankind is without excuse. As you came in here today, you you cannot deny that God created the heavens and the earth. You cannot deny that He created you. You might reject it, but it doesn't make it any less true. God is righteous, and He is just. He's not a creature like us. He is the creator. He created us. We are the creatures. He has no beginning or end, and he's unchanging. How have your emotions changed since yesterday or since you woke up? When you woke up this morning, were you joyful? Were you happy? And then you heard something or someone said something to you, and now you're not. Or does it the flip side of that? God never changes. Our emotions change from minute to minute, right? I mean, I could be walking around and be like, everything is awesome, right? And then, bam, I kick the table, right? And stub your pinky toe. And you're like, no, it's not awesome no more, right? Everybody knows when you've hit your pinky toe on the coffee table, everything is not awesome anymore, right? And your emotions change because you're a human being, right? Right? Or something happens and from left field, cancer, right? Or, or left field, someone spits on you, right? Or left field, right? It's something happens in your life where things change in the blink of an eye and we are fallible, right? We, we, we change, but God never changes. Did you see the words we put on the uh, sign out there? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want consistency, I want to worship a God who never changes. We worship a God who never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I can't do it. I'm fallible. I'm a broken creature. I need God. You need God. You need His strength. You need His grace and His mercy. Why do you keep trying to do it by yourself? God is righteous and He's just and He's not a creature. He has no beginning and end and He's unchanging. But the attribute that so explains God the most is not love like most people say. Which it is. God is love. But it is holy. God is holy and He's holy and He's holy. And everyone should worship His holiness and he is without sin. And he is so holy that the seraphim have to cover their faces and they have to guard their eyes and they have to look down from the presence of his glory because they can't even look upon him because he is so holy. And why do we think that he would allow us, sinners, dirty and defiled, to be able to come into his presence? just as we are? Why would He accept us just as we are? Why would He just love me because He loves me because He loves me? Why would He do that if He is a righteous and He's a just and He is a holy God? Why would He do that? That does not make sense to our mind. It should not make sense to you. In the courtroom that we humans have created, When someone rapes and murders and pillages people, and they stand before a just and righteous judge, every single one of us says, throw the book at him. Amen? They say, he deserves punishment. Justice must be served. And what do we expect of the judge? To do what a good Righteous judge does. To judge righteously. He committed a crime. A serious crime. He needs to be under the jail. Some would even say he deserves to die. Amen? But in God's courtroom, why do we all of a sudden think that God is going to just look past and look away? What if God looked down at the guilty man? And here's the thing. When God looks at me, me, and He looks at every human being, He looks at you, and He sees guilty. A guilty convict. That's what He sees. Guilty. The wages of sin is death. And eternal separation is the punishment. The full weight and wrath of God is upon the sons of disobedience. And every one of us was a son of disobedience. And only those who are in Christ are no longer sons of disobedience, but sons of God. But understand something, that if you are not in Christ, the wrath of God abides upon you. It is upon you. And the judge is looking down, and he must judge righteously. He must. Because he is holy, holy, holy. Amen. And so when he looks down upon you, he says, Guilty. In my wrath, in my anger is just and righteous for the guilty. Amen. Amen. Flip in your Bible to Romans chapter three, if you would. The Bible says, about us, all mankind, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, understand this, guys, no one even seeks after God. No one seeks Him. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is me. And this is you. You can say, no... No. No. But here's the thing. You could say that right now because possibly you're suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 19 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped. You have no defense. We have no defense. And the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified. That word justified means declared righteous in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The law of God, the moral law, the Ten Commandments, are God's way of showing us how terrible we are, how guilty we are, how condemned we are. We've broken his law. And because we have broken His law, we deserve to be condemned. God must bring justice. God must give us punishment. He must because He's holy and He's righteous and He's good. But there's a way of reconciliation with God. And there's only one way. And it's not through keeping the law. And it's not through good works. It's not by being the best person you possibly can be. When you stand before God, why would He allow you into His presence? Will you stand there and say, it's because I did the best I possibly could. I did as many good works as I possibly could. And I changed and I tried the hardest I possibly could. Will you please accept that? Please accept that as a pleasing sacrifice. Will you please accept that? And He'll say, no. No. I will not. It's not pleasing to me. Our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags before a holy and righteous God. In fact, in a matter, he'd probably spit on that. And he would send us straight to hell. There is a gospel. There is... No, it's really no gospel at all that says that you can save by faith in Jesus after all you can do. Or you can be saved by faith in Christ alone, but also you got to have to have some good works with that faith. That's a false gospel. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is when God does it all. God made a way through Jesus Christ. Let's see. Verse 21 in Romans. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And are justified. That word justified means declared righteous by His grace as a gift. How? Through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. By faith. We are saved not by what we can do, but by faith alone and Christ alone to the glory of God alone. That is how an unworthy, Godless person who never seeks after God, who is dead in their sins and trespasses, is reconciled with God, is when they fall on their face and they trust that Jesus Christ is sufficient for all things, that His perfect, righteous life was how we are saved. It is not my righteousness, but His righteousness. It is His death on the cross. It's His resurrection from the grave. He made a way. God did it all through the Son to save us, to reconcile us to the Father. There is no access to God. There is no peace with God until we go through the Son. And it's only through faith in the Son that we are saved. Amen, somebody! Do you believe this? This is what the Scriptures say. That word, propitiation, means diversion of wrath. It means... That God's wrath was upon us, but then his wrath was not looked away, but his wrath was diverted over here, and his that wrath was not just thrown into the sea, but it was thrown upon his son. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53 that it pleased God to crush his son for you, for me. He crushed His own Son on the cross for you. This is the Son of His love. This is the Son with whom He is well pleased with. But now, we see Him on a cross dying the death that we deserve, taking the punishment that we deserve upon Himself and His blood being poured out for our sins This is love. This is love. There is no greater love than one would give his life for another. The Good Shepherd is giving his life down for the sheep. We are the sheep. He is the shepherd. He is the sacrifice. And we are the ones who are set free from the bondage of sin from the punishment of sin. We are free when we believe by faith. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. This is the Gospel. There is no other Gospel. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Gospel that the Word of God tells us. There is no other Gospel. God has done it for us. No way could we ever do it. Victory in Jesus. Praise God to glory of God alone. Praise Him. Do you have something to be thankful for? Amen, somebody. Yes. Justice is served you your life. What? Justice is served? Jesus was innocent. That's what made Him a pleasing sacrifice. Jesus Christ, God incarnate, truly God and truly man. God accepted His Son's sacrifice because He is God and He's perfect. And He fulfilled the law perfectly. The law that you and I broke, Christ fulfilled the law perfectly. This is the righteousness that we received as a gift. God gives Jesus' righteousness as a gift to you when you believe by faith. Not your righteousness. You have none. Why would the Father accept you into His presence? Why would He? Because He has given you the righteousness of His Son when you believe by faith. Why would He allow you to be in His presence? To now come through the veil. And we were alienated, separated from God. Hostile enemies of God. How can we be reconciled to Him? It's through the blood of the cross. It is through the body of Christ. Everyone who Christ died for, we entered into His body. It is through Christ that we have reconciliation and peace with God, we have now access to God. And now we are no longer enemies of God. But now we are friends. And now we can pray to the Father. The Father is no longer our judge. But He's now our Father. He is now Abba, Father. There's no greater peace than this. There's no greater joy than this. And there's no... Greater love than this. I'm going to have to hurry up. Number three, the purpose of reconciliation. The purpose of all of this. The purpose of all of this. God's great plan of reconciliation is in order to present you and me holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. That's the purpose. That's the purpose. God's ultimate goal in reconciliation is to present His elect, those He died for, those who would believe in Him by faith. It's not universalism. It's not just a tipping a hat. Jesus already paid for all my sins so I can do whatever I want. It's for God's chosen people. It's for God's chosen people, those who would believe in Him by faith, who would believe the Gospel, who would trust in Him by faith to present you holy and blameless before Him. That word holy means to be separated from sin and set apart from God. Here's the thing. If you, right now, are not purifying yourself. Because He is pure. If you're not removing yourself from sin and making a practice of your life to remove yourself from sin, then you don't know Him. Because if you truly know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to want nothing to do with with what killed Him on the cross. When you sin in your life and you do something, as a Christian, we sin and you do something, it should bring such godly sorrow that would produce a repentance that leads to life in you that you would hate your sin so much, that you would hate your own sin so much that you would cut it off and you would stop doing it and you would keep on following Christ. If you don't have a new relationship with sin, you don't know God. Because a Christian hates sin and hates their own sin the most. That is truth. Ephesians 1, chapter 4 says, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. God sees those who are in Christ as holy as His Son. Understand this. Once you've believed in Him by faith, supernaturally, this is real. That the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in you and seals you. And now you are no longer who you used to be. But you are new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. The old man is dead. Dead with Christ on the cross. And the new has come. Resurrection from the grave. He has brought you from death to life to new life in Christ. Don't tell me that you've been saved and your life has not been changed because I will tell you, if you've not experienced a new birth, if you have not experienced new life, then you don't know Him. You need to repent and believe the Gospel. I'm not telling you to compare one thing to another. I'm telling you, make sure that you have rooted yourself in the Gospel. That you have truly placed your faith in Christ and Christ alone. The Gospel should be central to your thinking. It should be central to your waking. to your central to your going to bed. It should be everything to you in your life. And you should operate your life according to the Gospel. Christians, suffer for Christ. They cut off sin for Christ. They worship God because of Christ. This is who we are. It's Christ who is in all and through all for the glory of God. This is who we are. If that's not your life, repent and believe the Gospel. This is what the Bible tells us. See, those who are in Christ here, Jesus, God made Him to be sin. For us, who knew no sin, he knew no sin, so that we become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ, perfect, was righteous. God placed our sins upon him so that we could be the righteousness of God. Blameless means without blemish. It is used in the New Testament to refer to Christ as the spotless Lamb. In reference to ourselves, reconciliation gives us a spotless character. If you love Him, if you love Him and you trust in Him and your faith is in Him alone, then God sees you as spotless because of Christ. Not because of you. Because of Christ. Beyond reproach, it means that no one can bring a charge against God's elect. Who's to condemn you? Who's to condemn you? If God is the judge, He's the one who condemns. No one is more powerful than Him. Romans 8:33, 34 says, so, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. That means declares righteous. Who is to condemn? It's Christ Jesus is who is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of the Father? Who is indeed interceding for us. When anyone brings a charge against you, Whenever when anyone ever says, look at the sin in his life, but you have placed your faith in Christ Jesus. Do you know who comes and intercedes on your behalf before the Father? Jesus Christ. And he points to that person, he points to you if you have faith in Christ and if you love him, and he's saying, Remember, Father? She's mine. Remember, Father, it's my blood. It's my righteousness. It's my perfectness. I'm the Son of Your love with whom You are well pleased with. I have bought them. I have paid for their sins. Past, present, and future. Your sins are washed away. Washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Christ's reconciliation makes believers holy, blameless, and above reproach before him. God sees us now clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Are you wearing a robe? Are you clothed in the righteousness of Christ? Fourth and final point. The proof of reconciliation. You've seen the plan of reconciliation, the process of reconciliation, the purpose of reconciliation, and finally the proof of reconciliation. Verse 23, as we bring this to a close. If indeed, this is important, if indeed you continue in the faith. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the Gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Proof. We want proof nowadays, right? Show me. Show me the proof. I need to know the facts. Proof of reconciliation. And this is more for you than it is for you to point outwardly. Worry about yourself before you can worry about others. Proof of reconciliation is a faith that is stable and steadfast. James 1, 2, 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Do you love him? Not shifting from the hope of the Gospel that you heard. Before we close, let's go to Romans 5 real quick, and then we'll, we'll close with this text. Or you can listen along. This is, what, this is what brings together all of this. If you've been listening from this point, this text right here, Romans 5, verses 1 through 11, is, it's going to come all together. Either it's going to make sense to you, or I'm going to have to stay up here for another hour. You're like, it's going to make sense to me, right? Yeah. Okay. Alright, Romans 5. Therefore since we have been justified by faith. Let me pause. What's that word justified? It means to be declared righteous. How were we declared righteous before God? We believe by faith in what Christ has done to pay for our sins. And it's not just a leap of faith in the dark. Remember we talked about that last Sunday. But it is a faith that has assurance, that puts their faith and trust in the Gospel, in the Word of God. We have an object of our faith, And it's Jesus Christ the righteous. It's not a blind faith. It is a trusting faith. It is a faith that actually manifests works. It's a a faith that actually is shown by how we live our life. Not just a profession, but a fruit that comes from that profession. Now understand, don't get fooled now. That's not what saves you. But that is what proves or shows you the proof of Your faith. So therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Have. We're not gonna going to have. If you have faith in Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only way. The way to reconciliation is only through Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. The veil was torn in two when Jesus died on the cross. Was it not? We go back into the Old Testament or in the New Testament. And when Jesus died on the cross, an earthquake happened. And the sky for three hours turned as black as night. And you could see the stars. Last night at 1 o'clock in the morning, everyone was sleeping, right? But it was so dark last night, and you could see the stars... And that's how dark it was when God punished His Son for us on the cross. And there was a great earthquake and in the temple, in the most holy place where no one could go except for the high priest. And the high priest could go in there, but what he had to do because he was a sinner, he had to actually uh, kill an animal and the blood had to be spilt out and then he had to wipe his sins on another scapegoat and that that sin had to be taken out before he could go into the most holiest place, before he could go behind the veil, right? And before he could go in there, they tied a rope around him just in case he he stepped into the presence of God and he died. And if he died, they would drag him out. But now, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, because we have been declared righteous by faith in Jesus Christ, We have access to God. And the veil has been torn in two. And now, we have 24-7 communion and access to the Father because of Jesus Christ. And that relationship, which was broken, which was alienated, which we were separated, and we were dead in our sins, has been washed away, has been taken away, and now we have peace with God. Amen. This is good news This is good news. And now we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me, and that's you, if you love Him. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore, we have now been justified, declared righteous by His blood, reconciliation. Amen. 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 This is good news. This is good news. Hope of the glory of God is produced from the Holy Spirit. We no longer fear judgment because Christ has been judged for us. Right? We no longer fear death because Christ has defeated death. And He has given us what, church? Eternal life. He has given us eternal life. COVID what? COVID what? God is sovereign over His creation. COVID what? Let's proclaim the gospel in the midst of COVID. Let's proclaim the gospel amongst the fear of death because we have hope and we don't cry like people who have no hope. But we have a joy and we have a love that's been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And we have a Gospel that brings eternal life to those who have believed by faith. The way to reconciliation with God is only through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, I hope you know it and it sinks into your head. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. We have just looked at God's plan of reconciliation, His process of reconciliation, and the purpose of reconciliation. And also the proof of reconciliation. I'll close with these words. No altar call. No altar call. I'll close with these words. After I finish these words, we'll close in prayer and we'll be done. The Apostle Paul said this to the Corinthians. Therefore, of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we are thankful that reconciliation and peace with you only comes through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that your words would sink down deep into the hearts and minds of those who hear That, God, You would give them the ability to understand Your Word. That, God, You would give them the strength to be able to carry out what Your Word says and to live stable and steadfast and always trusting in the Gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.